Hello and welcome to Life Beat. My name is Tom Powell and I will be your host today. Once a month I am on here hosting the podcast. Usually when I'm here, we're interviewing a pastor or somebody else who works in ministry and getting their take on pro-life issues, current issues. Today with me, I have Pastor Paul Clark. Pastor Clark, thank you for being here today. Technically, I'm the one who's here today. We're in your office. So it's good to have you here with us and I'm glad to be able to, to do this interview. Well, we're really glad to have you on. Um, today, Pastor Clark is going to share with us not just his, his take as a pastor, but also a little bit about the ministry. Now, Pastor, you've been on this podcast before, but not in a while. So could you let the folks know a little bit about yourself uh, as if they've never heard of you and the ministry that you're involved with uh, apart from the church here? Of course. Uh, so I'm pastor here at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Fowler, Michigan. Uh, I have been here as the senior pastor of this church since 1988, so 34 years as of this year. Wow. Uh, it's a wonderful congregation, and I'm very blessed uh, in, in the ministry to the people here in Fowler. In addition to that, through the years, I've been very involved with Right to Life issues. And from almost from the beginning of my time here, I, I became involved with Right to Life of Michigan, uh, was, um, have been on their Speakers Bureau, and spoken at a lot of the banquets and events. And then also in our own, for the, the Lutheran Church, we have Lutherans for Life of Michigan. Mm. Um, I've been involved in that since uh, 1998 uh, on the, the board. So how, that. how are you involved with Lutherans for Life, and what does Lutherans for Life do? Obviously, uh, it changes from season to season, but... Right. Uh, well, at, at this time, what I, I actually serve as president of Lutherans for Life of Michigan, so I am president of the Board of Directors for Michigan, which is why I am actually uh, have been on the coalition, and along with other pro-life groups as well. Uh, now, when you mention the coalition, you're talking about specifically support Michigan women and children? Exactly, exactly. So I, I represent our group, Lutherans for Life of Michigan, on that. But we basically, Lutherans for Life is an organization to address life issues within the Lutheran Church in a way where we can get information out to our churches, our pastors, in an educational fashion to make them more aware of what is going on and uh, and the issues confronting them so they can take action on these issues. Sure, and what is going on? What has been your focus for the last few months? Well, that certainly has been uh, Proposal 3. Uh, now that, you know, we had a, we've been dealing with this most of the year, even before it had a proposal number, of course, but uh, uh, this is certainly taking uh, 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 the, the prime spot right now because this is the most radical thing that we've ever confronted in the state of Michigan. Yeah. And we, along with, uh, obviously, Right to Life and all, all other groups, are just doing whatever we can to battle this terrible, terrible uh, proposal that will be on the ballot in November. So you and I and, and anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows uh, what the coalition is, what Proposal 3 is, but not necessarily everybody knows what those things are. So could you share with us a little bit what the main concerns with Proposal 3 are? Why are all the pro-life organizations against it? Why is it not an issue that can be compromised with or can be worked with? Yes, the, the way the language is written with the, uh, the word especially is used every individual mm -hmm. has these uh, absolute rights. Um, so what we're dealing with here is not only broad access to, to abortion all nine months of pregnancy, but it's, it, the language is such that nothing can infringe upon those rights so that everything that we have even been able to pass as far as any restrictions would be taken down 
parental rights, which are a huge issue now in our country, uh, even with school boards and various other things, parental rights would be totally taken away because the individual here is not designated to be of a certain age. That would include minors. And this individual, rights cannot be infringed upon. So parents would be out of the picture. Uh, we were talking about something here that would simply open wide the doors to, to complete uh, uh, killing of our unborn children all nine months of pregnancy and, and perhaps even after birth, uh, along with uh, sterilization and other things for teens. Uh, the language is so vague and so horrible in this proposal that we would be opening, opening a total Pandora's box in Michigan uh, in every way. Right. And, and Pastor Clark, I think that the point you brought up about its use of the word individual and how radical it is, is very important for people to understand in these weeks coming up to the election, because this is not just an issue, you know, pro-life versus pro-choice, the usual, the usual case. Now, I think probably most of the listeners are pro-life like you and I are, believe in life from conception, though there might be some who, who, who have some you know, nuances, some little critiques to, the, to that stance. But generally, I think that's what our listeners believe. But this, is, this isn't really even about that at this point. This is something that even a pro-choice person should not vote for. Somebody says, okay, hey, I'm a little, I'm a little left of center on the issue. I don't quite agree with Pastor Clark on this or that. Well, even if you don't quite agree with Pastor Clark, I imagine you also don't agree with sterilization for children. You don't agree with uh, abortion with, uh, without parental consent for minors. I, you don't agree with those things, so you should vote no. And if you're already planning on voting no, you should not just be sharing with your friends the typical pro-life versus pro-choice arguments, but showing them that even if they are pro-choice, this proposal is against their values. So, Pastor, with Lutherans for Life, you've been talking about this issue uh, a lot lately. I imagine as we're coming up on election, you're probably ready for it to be over with, right? Oh, aren't we all? <laughs> we want it to, over, to be over with in a good way, and that is to defeat this proposal. Right, and the actual fight will not, never be over with. We'll always have to take a stand against some form of evil. It'll True. always be there, Absolutely. and we know that uh, we know that the devil is the prince of this world, and that he has he has power here, and he's going to continue trying to take over entirely. So you'll always have to stand up to something. So, Pastor, do you have any recommendations for what Christians should do in the the next few weeks uh, coming up on election, and how they should do it? Well, what we've been talking about, and when I go around, I've been trying to speak uh, in, in quite a few places lately, uh, not only locally here, but I have been invited to other churches in Michigan, and uh, I just got back from the Lutherans for Life National Convention, which, uh, by the way, all the eyes of many in the country are on Michigan right now with this proposal. Uh, but one of the things mainly is just that everybody understands how radical the proposal is, what it would do, that it is a constitutional change. Uh, and how dangerous this is for our state. And then don't just vote against it yourself. Please reach somebody else. You know, if every, if, if right now every person that was adamantly against this proposal could reach one other undecided person and show them the facts with this and convince them uh, how this needs to be voted down, that would probably tilt the balance to the numbers we need right now. So, so it's just like you may not be able to do everything. You may not be a public speaker. You may not be able to, but you can maybe talk to your neighbors, talk to your own family members, to your relatives that you know are going to be voted that maybe haven't been quite on the same page with you. But again, share this information. Show them exactly. Do you want this state to go in this 
totally radical direction for the for the future and uh, I really think that's you know if you can break it down to that idea of one 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 you know talk to this one this one uh, one at a time that that's probably the best path to, to defeating this proposal here and of course there's you know passing door-to-door -door literature putting yard signs up uh, to vote no on three mm -hmm. uh, so many other ways too and with uh, with that, I think it's a good time to plug, you know, the, the support Michigan Women and Children website. If you haven't already been over there, folks, you can go over there. You can sign up to volunteer. You can request materials. Of course, if you're listening to this a few days from now, it might already be too late to get those materials. You might need to come, come by the office real quick in person. You might need to print it off yourself. Of course, they're on the website, support Michigan Women and Children. It's spelled support and then MI, like the abbreviation for Michigan, womenandchildren.org. You go to the website, you can even find the PDFs for a lot of the materials that we're trying to distribute. You can find the actual language of the amendment, which if you're going to be going out and trying to convince somebody of something, you should probably know the actual words. You shouldn't just trust Tom and trust Pastor Clark that we've we've represented it accurately, but you should analyze it for yourself and know where the argument's coming from. Yes. Pastor, probably you have that conversation with people about the Bible as well, right? If somebody's exactly. trying to convince somebody to be a Christian, they better use good arguments. They better use honest arguments yes. and they better know their bible know the scriptures exactly exactly so know this amendment uh so that you can uh, warn people accurately um about the dangers of it now pastor you've been working for how many years you say with lutherans for, for life since 1998 with lutherans for life and now again as uh in the past about five years as president of lutherans for life in michigan yes could you give us kind of a recap of what hurdles have come before this one well for us, it's always mainly, um, uh, again, with Lutherans for Life especially, the idea is uh, to inform and educate our churches and pastors within our own denomination and uh, primarily. And so some of the obstacles, of course, are overcoming that. Um, uh, I don't know, you, you might want to call it a little bit of apathy sometimes <laughs> sure. when you're talking to, you know. Uh, like, well, you know, uh, we, we need to talk about the gospel and preach the gospel. But some certain pastors are reserved about bringing up an issue such as abortion and not seeing how that fits into the gospel. This is all part. This is in. This is God's own word. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, you know, uh, uh, when you were before you were even in the womb, I knew you. He says to Jeremiah, uh, mm -hmm. the, you know, Jesus himself, uh, you know, born, uh, you know, uh, was first an unborn child, the savior of the world. This is. Pro-life is pro-Bible. And so if you're going to, so it's mainly sometimes to, to reach people and say, no, you can, you can talk about abortion because, you know, you shall not murder. This is mm -hmm. the commandment and this is what this is. So it is part of the church's business. It's not, it's not just political. You always hear that, well, we don't want to talk politics in the church. Abortion is far more than that. Yeah, everything is made political in our culture. That's where we live in a society, and any issue can be made political. That doesn't mean at the core, abortion is political. It is, it is a social, moral, ethical evil that must be addressed by the church. Right. So for one, you bring up, hey, it's not just a political issue. It's a moral issue. In fact, it's primarily a moral issue, and it's a very, very serious moral issue. It has high stakes. Some moral issues, the Bible talks about you know, sinning against yourself. Right. sinning against God. But you can also, in some cases, sin against yourself, sin against God, and sin against another person. And abortion is one of those things. Yes. If somebody has an abortion, or they, especially if they coerce someone else into having an abortion, the person, the, the woman involved, she is hurt physically, 
probably emotionally as well yes. for cer- for certain physically yes. it, it is a it is a, a medical procedure right. it's not comfortable then there's the baby the baby is harmed and then Right. There's the sin against God. So it is a it is a serious moral issue that affects three parties at least at minimum. Yeah, minimum because I think it even has far reaching repercussions into the whole family. The whole you know, not just the, the mother, the father, the but I mean everybody's affected by an abortion. You know, grandparents, uh the, the family structure, even the structure of our of our society in general. I think the culture itself begins to rot out from within when we have an abortion mentality like this, a mm-hmm. pro-death mentality, it eats away at the entire culture. And sometimes it's no wonder we have a rise in so many other types of violence and lack of respect for life. Mm. Now, I kind of I kind of have my own opinion on this, but I'm, I'm interested to see what you think. So we talk about, hey, you know, abortion is not just a political issue. It's this moral issue, and therefore we can talk about it. But I think also there's truth to say that though it's kind of a recent American value that you shouldn't talk about politics in church, I'm not sure that it's a very Christian one. I feel like I feel like Moses was willing to talk about relig- mixed religion and politics. I feel like Elijah would. I feel like John the Baptist would. Um, but that's am, my that's my take. I am with you on it one hundred percent. I believe we made a false separation there that has no. You look at the um, even the early churches in America, uh, and obviously the the pastors were very much aware of what was going on and spoke to these things uh, as they saw how they affected the people. Uh, again, I think politics becomes a smokescreen that that many people hide behind mm-hmm. so that they don't have to feel uncomfortable or talk about things. But anything that that affects the way we live under God's law compared to, you know, uh, man-made laws and things that are contrary to God's law must be addressed in the church. Mm -hmm. And so that is a broader, uh, broader thing. And it does go beyond even abortion. And I think there's much more latitude to talk about things that a lot of pastors realize they may have. And a lot of churches uh, uh, sometimes think that they, uh, they they dare not have, you know, any information, for example, put out. On elections or anything, and we have we, that that can be done. There, you know, uh, and I know you. Uh, right to Life of Michigan has great resources there on what churches can do, uh, and uh, and that's very helpful. So once again, that would be on the Right to Life of Michigan website. Sure. Now, folks, when he says exactly the uh, we have resources for pastors in churches on the Right to Life website, that's not the same website as the one I mentioned earlier, the Support Michigan Women and Children. The Support Michigan Women and Children website is the website for the Coalition Against Proposal 3. The Right to Life of Michigan website is pretty easy to remember. It's RTL, as in Right to Life rtl.org. And if you type that in, then the website will pop right up and you can find resources that relate to faith. You can find uh, scriptures that talk about this issue. You can find uh, other printable resources that are usable in church or in other uh, other such settings. So thank you, Pastor, for mentioning that. We do have that available. Speaking of the scriptures, I wanted to talk to you about one scripture that has been brought up on the podcast before, and I wanted to hear your perspective on it. Now, 2 Kings chapter 24 Verses 4 and 5, I'm going to pull it up myself and also read it. Second Kings chapter 24, you know what, I'll actually read the first verse to give some context. It says, in his days, talking about the current king of the tribe of Judah, in his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he, and that's Jehoiakim, he turned and rebelled against him, and the him is Nebuchadnezzar. So they're, they're in captured by Babylon. After a few years, 
He sees an opportunity to rebel against the king of Babylon. He gives it a try. And then the word of the Lord comes against him saying, I'm actually going to fight not against Babylon, but I'm going to fight against you. Then he says at verse three, surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh. Now Manasseh was a previous king, but he's already been long dead. I think he's a hundred years dead at this point. According to all that he did, and also for the innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. And I think that's actually where I wanted to leave off was just there in verse four. This seems to me to be, and not to turn it into an allegory or metaphor, but it's still applicable to us today, even though it took place a long time ago. It seems to me we could take this as a warning, as a historical warning that the level of innocent blood which has been taken here in our country welcomes the judgment of God. How do we escape that? Where do you see America in that? Are we, are we coming into judgment? Is, is judgment far off but coming? Are we, do we live in a different time where judgment doesn't necessarily come in the same way for this kind of thing? What, what's your take on it? Well, that's, there's, there are a lot of good points we can be making out of this. Okay, so first of all, yes, obviously some of the things written in, in specific ways dealing with uh, Israel and uh, the Old Testament may not be 100% carry over sure. exact in the same way to America, but there are parallels and there are warnings here. There's no doubt of that. Same God, right? Yes. And, the, and God hates the shedding of innocent blood. We know that. That's in Proverbs too. It's in, it's in several mm. places. That's one of the things that's actually the word used uh, is the word, the word abomination. I mean, when, when, that's one of the things God calls an abomination, which really, <laughs> that's extremely offensive to him. So shedding innocent blood. And, and there is no, now, how does judgment come? That's the thing. In this way, it came direct to God's people. He had sent prophet after prophet. You know, I just wanted to read one thing to add to that verse, and this is in Second Chronicles 36, verse mm. 16. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. Wow. God help us to not get at a point where there's no remedy, right? So, so yes, this is a warning. It is God's law. The law condemns our sin. It points out, uh, you know, that without repentance, God's judgment will fall. And sooner or later, it will. Now, we know it may not fall in the same way as it did directly in the Old Testament upon certain kings in certain times. But in the end, God's judgment will fall. There will be a reckoning. There will be a day of the Lord. The message is the same no matter what. God, God hates evil he, and, and hands it shed innocent blood. And so we as a nation and as a people, and especially those who are, you know, at the forefront of the abortion movement, they need to repent. That's the only way that repentance and then faith in Jesus as the one who alone can take away all sin and, and provide that, that, uh, that safety and redemption. Uh, it, I mean, so the, the message is the same right now. Repent, and we need to believe God is in his heaven, and God will not allow such evil to go unpunished in the end. Well, it'll be in his own time, the way he does things, but uh, we don't want to provoke the anger of the Lord. Wow. Well, hey, you say, you say the message is the same, and you brought up kind of a point that, that I wasn't necessarily expecting at the moment, that God's judgment is going to come either way. Whether or not you know, we experience a judgment against America for having committed 
this sin of shedding innocent blood repeatedly for 50 years now. Whether or not that judgment comes, a judgment is coming because yes. Christ already told us that. He told us one day yes. his father is going to come and they're going to sort the good fish from the bad fish. Yep. They're going to separate the goats from the, from the sheep. sheep. They're going to separate the tares from the wheat. Most of Christ's message was this apocalyptic. There's going to be a dividing. And... And so the message is the same. You're right. Either way, even if there's not an impending judgment coming on America, there is an impending judgment day right. that all the, will face. And for the sake of our nation, our people, our families, uh, we, we don't want that judgment to come on America in any way, even in the, the, the intervening time until the end. So because we know, we know God can withdraw his grace from a people if they if they continually reject him reject his word and embrace violence against even the most innocent of lives the unborn god can withdraw that grace and and make it you know and then it's even to, to withdraw the word there in the old testament it talks about a famine of the word when god finally saw what was happening and just withdrew his prophets so that the word wasn't being spoken i mean we don't want that to happen the word so this the word of god calls us back to repent of our sins, to acknowledge that, and to then know and believe that Jesus Christ alone can make us clean and, and give us eternal life. And that's that we, as a pastor, that's what we hold out to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, to the woman who's been had an abortion and been damaged by that so much, what is she, for her too, is to acknowledge the sin of abortion, but then to believe and know that Christ alone can give her the peace and, uh, and restore her. I mean, we have women now, valiant women, who previously in their lives have been part of the pro-abortion industry or had an abortion who now are speakers. I mean, look at Abby Johnson, who was in a, worked at a Planned Parenthood and now is one of our greatest pro-life speakers to speak against it because she received the forgiveness of Christ and, and has new life in his name. That's what we want everybody to have. We don't want anybody to perish and not have that uh, uh, life in Christ. And that's a hope that I think sh should always be mentioned in this conversation. We're not just preaching repentance because somebody's doing something you don't like. Right. You want that person to receive the hope that you have, the hope of salvation, the hope of God's blessing, and so on. How right. does somebody, and this has been talked about on here before, but I'd like to hear you talk about it. How does somebody receive this salvation? How does somebody receive that, that it, hope? The, the, it has happened that God sent his son. This is historical. Jesus came. Jesus took our sins upon him, died on the cross, and what did he say? It is finished. When he said those words, simply believe. Faith takes hold of that promise that when he said it is finished, that means it was finished for me. He died for my sins. He carried into that cross, and then the third day he rose again, and that resurrection proves that what he said was true, and that if he conquered death in that way, we too who live in him will conquer death as well. So, so basically... Again, acknowledge your sinfulness, but then simply believe in the words of Jesus. Believe who he is, that he is mm. the Son of God. Believe that he is the Savior, and, and trust in him and receive his promises. Receive that salvation that he gives freely to you and to me. Now, you, you mentioned gives it freely. Uh, and again, this concept has been talked about here on before, on here before, but I feel like it's always good to bring it up again because the issues we talk about will always bring up guilt in people's mind and, and in their heart. And I think a lot of times the way people handle guilt is by maybe projecting it onto somebody else. So that I'm not guilty. That person's guilty. Or maybe by 
seeking some sort of appeasement, like, oh, if I do this good thing, I'll feel better. And that, or if I do this good thing, I'll, I'll earn God's favor back. Is that how it works? No, it is not. <laughs> and then in scripture is clear, by grace we are saved through faith, in Jesus Christ, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So um, it, it's, uh, again, the free gift of salvation is simply by faith in Jesus. Faith receives what he did for us. We don't add anything. There's nothing we can do to add to that. Now, of course, we all, we're all busy wanting to love our neighbor and do the things Christ asks us to do. That's part of our new life. Freed from our guilt, freed from our sin, we now desire to, to live lives of, of doing things for, to, to help one another, to love our neighbor, uh, works to serve one another. That's, so these are all important, but they don't earn salvation. We receive it. Yeah, no, I, I, I recently had a conversation with an agnostic woman, and she was very kind in this conversation, and she was talking both about the issues of salvation and the issue of abortion. Both can be sensitive issues to somebody who doesn't believe. I think they're not as sensitive to those who do believe, but they're quite sensitive issues, can be quite volatile, explosive issues to people who don't believe. But she was very calm and kind, though she felt like Christians who are, you know, standing against this abortion issue, they think somehow they're going to earn salvation this way. Now, it sounds to me that's not, a, that's not it at all. So what, what is the motivator? What is the reason? The motivator is, is out of compassion. Jesus, what happened? When he looked at the crowds, he was, he, he was looking down upon the crowds of people, and it says he was filled with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. This compassion is what motivates us. We're not doing this to earn anything. And in fact, again, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we already have everything. He's given us salvation. That's all. We are doing this out of the, the compassion that just as Jesus had for the lost sheep, we're looking at people who are hurt, damaged, destroyed by, the, by abortion. Uh, you know, again, the baby, of course, but in the, the lives lost, but again, the mother too and the and extended family. And, and the compassion compels us to speak, to say this is not the way, this is not good, this is not a, uh, a, just a health option, a reproductive right. It is, this is what it is. It is the, the murder of another human being. It can't be good for you either. Right. And, and, that, and so we want to say there is a better way. Uh, the, the great old motto you know, of the pro-life movement so often, choose life. And again, that life is always better, and that life is given to you in Christ, and He can take away the guilt, give you the forgiveness, and the strength you need to carry on, and to love and serve your neighbor. And part of that is to be part of the pro-life movement, work for life, stand for life, because we love life, and each and every individual, each and every baby, each and every man, woman, is is somebody with dignity, somebody created by God that deserves that Amen. respect and reverence for life. So. Well, hey, as we, as we wrap this up, thank you for being here. As we wrap this up, could you give us any kind of perspective you might have just as a Lutheran? We've had a lot of people on the podcast from various different denominations. I'm curious how being a Lutheran, in addition to just being a Christian, being a Lutheran makes you pro-life. Absolutely. One of the, the, the key, and we're, we're the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, who hold uh, very, very firmly to the words of the Scripture alone, to the Bible, and we have not... Uh, caved in to societal issues that are contrary to Scripture, and I'm very happy to be part of a group like that. But one of the distinctive marks 
of Lutherans is that we understand not only, obviously, clearly this miracle of how we're saved by grace mm -hmm. through faith in Jesus, but also that Luther had uh, a, a very interesting teaching uh, based on scripture, how we live in two kingdoms. We're both in the kingdom of grace, the church, which is where Christ is our king and we receive his gifts and that, but we still live in the kingdom of the world also. And living as Christians affects how we are in that kingdom of the world. Hmm. We have a foot in both at the same time. So as Christians, we have that, that distinctive uh, uh, calling to take that which we know to be true and let that influence how we act in the world. So does being a Christian, we, we say for us being a Christian, affect the way we're going to vote at the voting booth? Yes, it does. It's not a separate thing. You can't just uh, uh, you put a political party or anything over and above you know, these basic moral issues that, uh, that are directed by God's word. So I think that's just one thing. That, that holding fast to the Word of God, being faithful to His teachings, including on life, and that understanding of how we are a citizen in the world, but at the same time responsible as citizen to God, uh, you know, and, and how that affects each other. That Amen. is a very important thing, yeah. Okay, well, hey, Pastor Clark, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I know you've been on before. Thanks for coming on again. Before you go, could you let us know how folks can find you or your ministry? What website? Where, where should they go? Yep, we have... Uh, uh, probably the easiest way is simply to uh, look up Lutherans for Life of Michigan, and we have a, a Facebook page and a web page on there. And uh, there's also uh, Lutheransforlife.org, which is our national uh, organization as well. Um, and then uh, that's probably the easiest way. All right. Yeah. So, folks, just give it a Google, look it up, get involved if you can. And God bless you guys.